podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Shall we have another go? Yes, welcome. We are back. Thank you so much for joining us on Steve Bloomer's Washing as we strap ourselves in for another League One campaign of thrills, spills, own goals, meltdowns, worldies, limbs, reducers, and everything in between. Uh, for Paul Warren, it is the difficult second season, his first full campaign as Rams boss and the pressure will undoubtedly be on he's had a summer window he's had one of his infamous pre-seasons and the bookies seem to fancy Derby to bounce back at the second time of asking this year so can we do it or will it be another classic Derby County false dawn Uh, joining me Chris Parsons in person once again foaming at the mouth with pre-season excitement it's Richard Gutcher hi mate definitely foaming um <laughs> excitement yeah i'm pretty excited this season i think we've had we've had a good break it's been nice to not really think about derby for a couple of months i think it's fair yeah. to say uh and yeah i am really really excited about this season we'll get into it but sidings but promising and uh yeah should be up onwards and upwards and so martin's here too hi mate i hope you had a good summer or can i only really ask you that once the ashes are finished yeah i mean cricket has taken up a lot of my time this mm. summer um rightly so and it's it, it has filled the the large shaped football void so far um we'll obviously see how it goes but it's been a very enjoyable series so far you're telling us uh, just before we recorded that you uh, did the mother of all stag do's over the summer didn't you yeah um five days too many four nights it, it was due to be three nights easy jet actually screwed us over a little bit so it turned out to be uh, an extra night in budapest um safe to say i was a pretty broken man at the end of that did, did you make the most of that sec- of that extra night or was it we did we did it was um we we went out just as hard Go as the again. other night so yeah. it was it was remarkable stamina from everyone involved including the stag to be fair um but everyone ups their game on a stag dude don't they everyone everyone digs yeah. in finds another gear chris didn't wasn't he in bed by 12 <laughs> and tom martin's here too mate seven season number seven now and you all still keep turning up for these recordings. Can't fault commitment. It's lucky for some, isn't it? I mean, we're, we're loyal men, aren't we, sitting around this table? Like, we've been committed to this cause for a long time and hopefully we're about to see some success. Should be committed, I think, <laughs> is the phrase we're looking for. Uh, so, 23-24, Derby, Derby obviously looking to improve on the seventh place finish, uh, having spent most of the season in the top six in League One last year. Um, so, how are you all feeling? How is the mood? We gauge the opinion over on Twitter, as usual, at Steve Bloomerpod for some five-word previews. Uh, where's your head at ahead of the season? Plenty of optimism, has to be said. Uh, Andrew Woodman, no excuses this season. Uh, what else do we have? Nikki B, league's hours for the taking. Uh, PTG, Pete Gerrard on Twitter, he said top six by Christmas. Uh, ben Wright, one of our patrons, said promotion obtainable but it's Derby. Uh, Patrick G said, Warn, your time is now. 
Chris Hill, another of our fantastic patrons. Everything Derby falling into place. Um, Matt Tweds on Twitter, he said, Bobble Hats and Sonny's Tats. I like that one. More on uh, Sonny Bradley's tattoos later. So, yeah, plenty of optimism, to be fair. Um, plenty of new faces. Almost the entire defence has been overhauled Cutch this season with seven new first-team signings at the time of recording. Could be more by the time people listen, who are in no particular order. Centre-backs Sonny Bradley and Curtis Nelson. Full-backs slash wing-backs Callum Elder, Joe Ward and Kane Wilson. Goalkeeper Josh Vickers and striker Connor Washington. So, yeah, pretty much, well, certainly a revamped back of the team and probably more to come, I expect. Yeah, we absolutely absolutely needed a revamped, considering how many, you know, 35-year-old-plus centre-backs we had who were leaving the club, Curtis Davis, Stearman, Chester, I've probably forgotten others. Um, And we knew we needed support, we needed needed people in for wing-backs. We've got three of those. But I, I think one thing that stands out with almost, I think all the signings, is the age profile like almost all of them are kind of 26 to 30 in that age i think washington yeah. maybe 31 but they're all at exactly the right age we want them to be coming to coming to this club and lots of them are very experienced league one players even at that age or championship players so i think it looks really good i think in nelson and bradley in particularly we've got two proper center backs which will only complement rooney cashin Forsyth, and i think that's five five really strong options now at centre-back you don't really look at any of those and go they're over the hill or or they haven't got it in them yet they're all very capable at, at this level what's been nice to see about the business as well is that it's been really sensible stuff mm. like starting to build from the back I think is a really solid approach I mean not only because we we were short of, of defenders last year but we, we all know most promotion winning sides are kind of solid defensively first you've got to um, not concede many goals keep a lot of clean sheets and then hopefully the goals will come and I mean hopefully we will bring in a couple of attackers but I think the defence had to be the top priority um, for Warren and and now we've got that we can start looking towards some slightly more exciting signings but also I I think I'm right in um, saying that we haven't spent any money from an actual fee perspective so despite all of this experience and all of these kind of really good age profiles coming through um, we're doing it sensibly and that's what we've been crying out for for the last couple of years really and w- what we have to do so it's really nice to see I totally agree with everything you say there Anton and when you're playing a left back at centre back and an attacking midfielder at left back for most of the season you don't have a right back who's uh, an out and out right back you need to, to strengthen in those areas and Paul Warner's gone out and identified those targets and done it and what I also like about it it's been done very quietly the um the rumours on the sort of social media circuits no, there was a couple of comments about some of the players we brought in but we didn't know about anything about it and those signings were done well in advance I think someone made a comment of, I can't remember I think it was it may have been Sonny Bradley's interview that um, is talking about looking forward to getting married and um, he got married or something on the 4th of June and the interview was then released on the 18th or 19th of June and my dates and the player may well be wrong but my point is that that signing was done and dusted and, and the line drawn under it and we're moving on to the next person and we didn't know anything about that for a number of weeks and it was all kept very quiet and you I mean like the that. ITK accounts didn't know about it? Yeah, I can't believe it, yeah it's unbelievable <laughs> good old Barry the Ram he's, hasn't got a clue I don't think any of us <laughs> knew exactly when these signings were done it is a long process isn't it I'm sure Warren probably identified all these players probably at the start of 2023 I guess and looked at the contract situation but there's it's not a case of the season finishing 
and saying, right, who do we need? Let's go get them, is it, Coach? Like, it goes on for goes on for ages. No, and the majority of them are, were also free agents, so they had options to go and of, to go to other places, maybe championship clubs. And I think from what you've heard, Warren's approach is have a chat with them, get them in, have a chat, but then say to them, all right, go and look at your other options. You know what we are here to offer. You know what we're going to get here. But I want you to consider other options. I want you to make the decision that you want to join Derby, and I want you to have considered other things. So I think he gives players time he doesn't kind of say you've got a sign here and now he says like this is what we're offering you go and review what else you've got going on and then come back to me it seems like he's getting we don't know the ones he's missed right we don't know the ones he's missed out on but it seems like he's getting the players he wants in and they've chosen to come here to be part of that project yeah i think the best insight in these situations comes from fans of their previous clubs basically like it's all very well us saying what we think of these new signings but we had a bit of a rummage round on socials and club forums from uh you know from the clubs where we've signed these seven signings so far to see how fans felt about those players who when they left for derby uh we sort of divvied these up between us and so on what was the general feeling on uh, sonny bradley and curtis nelson yeah i'll, I'll start with sonny bradley because i mean my feelings um i don't know how you boys feel but my feelings is that sunny bradley is probably the best bit of business that we've made so far um out of the seven it's probably really, should have done him last in this with that in mind but. really a really <laughs> fantastic player i mean quite a simple one when when looking through socials really he everyone loved him at luton gave a, an, an incredible service throughout his time there um as captain as well um, which is is worth noting. I mean, he's probably being teed up as if if not the captain, certainly as a leader on the field and off the field um, at Derby, which is which is is great to have multiple figures like that. Um, I, it, it sounds like he left on really good terms, which is is always nice to see. It was a good move for everyone. Obviously, with Luton going up to the Premier League, he wasn't quite up to the up to the standard to to stay there. I mean, in, in his last season, he was in and out the side a little bit. But the, the sentiment was that he was definitely good enough for the championship and probably even top end of the championship if he if he was to stay fit. So the, the fact that we've managed to persuade him into League One um, is is really excellent. I mean, in terms of his attributes, um, it's, he, he reads the game really well. He's not the quickest, but that hasn't impacted him too much. Um, and I, I really like this quote. I, I can't remember who it was, but one of the fans kind of sub, summed him up really nicely. And, and you can see why Paul Warren wanted him really based on this. It was no ego, no tantrums, team first, self last, which is, is really nice. I mean, what I'm going to really love watching is Derby being 1-0 down away at some shit team and chucking Sonny Bradley up front for 10 minutes and getting an equaliser off his off his elbow or something and it's going to be amazing like, I think he, he got like five or six goals in yeah, one season yeah he chipped in he chipped last in last season, season before didn't he so. yeah so yeah a solid replacement for, for Curtis Davis I think and before you go on to Curtis Nelson like people talk about sort of the worn pull and, and whatever and it's you know slightly nonsensical really but bottom line is we've got a player who has just captained a team into the Premier League yeah in and out of the side to drop two divisions to come and play for us I know we're one of the we are one of the bigger teams in that division now clearly but like that's that speaks volumes about our recruitment doesn't it I, I think as well I think he said it or either he said it in his interview or Paul Warren said it in his reaction interview that you know Bradley wants to play in the championship and he said so Bradley was like well I'm coming here to get you into the championship I, I get the impression it's a two-year deal but maybe if we didn't get promoted we might lose him but only if someone takes him so I think you know he's obviously confident that he wants to be the person probably leading this team into the championship. 
and I agree with what Chris has said there in terms of like the attitude and the the, the way that he's going to sort of approach things. You you know you can put him up front and he'll he'll do something for you in the last sort of few minutes. But I also remember seeing a video of him. Uh, one of the opposing player was like a I don't know faffing around like rolling around and doing a fake injury or something like that and shoved Sonny Bradley <laughs> yeah, and it's, yeah, he just rolls back a little bit and waves his hands up in the air and he's just like he's obviously taking the mick out of them and he's obviously a, a brilliant wind up merchant, perfect for what you want a centre back uh, and he's a big strong leader and a big character in the dressing room. Exactly exactly what we need so looking at Curtis Nelson then moving on to him it slightly more of a, a mixed bag in terms of fan sentiment towards him I mean he, he spent the the last six months of last season uh, at Blackpool which probably safe to say didn't quite work out for him but in a Blackpool side that were just dropping like a stone towards the end of last season so it, it, I there wasn't really too much to gather from that he, he was playing in a back four interestingly during that time at Blackpool which may have contributed to the fact that it, of, of why it didn't work out I think he does prefer a back three which could suit the worn system I went back a little bit further to to look at his his time at Cardiff um, which again was a little bit of a mixed bag he took about half a season to get into the side during the the 19-20 season but towards the end of that season and, and following on into the next season he was the fans were really raving about him he, he both, both um, amongst the, the fan base and the media he seemed to be one of the standout players in that Cardiff team um, and kind of kept his place for a little while, made a few mistakes in in the the following season and kind of never really got back into the side, which is why he, he kind of fell out of touch with Cardiff and, and ended up moving to, to Blackpool. Um, but he's he's got the talent there. So I think if, if he can stay fit and keep keep a consistent run in the side, it'll be a really good foil for, for Sonny Bradley in that back three. Assuming yeah, go so... Two centre-backs there who you'd imagine will slot straight into a, a back three alongside Cashin, I'd have thought, which brings us on to the wing-backs. Uh, I'll go first with Joe Ward, who's a really interesting one because I think he's he, I think he's, he's a perfect fit and is a good profile, good age, good experience. Um, so I had a little, uh, a sneaky little look over on LondonRoad.net, which is a piece of a forum, to see what their fans said on the day that he left. Understandably, the caveat here is that a lot of them were sort of a little bit, you know, emotions are high because one of your players has just left. But um, the comments were generally uh, good pro but can't play right back. So the sentiment seems to be that he is decent as long as he's further forward. Um, A better move for him than it is for Derby. Not bitter. Um, Solid League One player but has not and will not cut it in the Championship. That's fine. We just want him to get us promoted. Uh, And a couple more. Um, good solid pro can't play right back and too one dimensional flaky under pressure and too many crosses fail to beat the first man especially last season but then a more positive one nice guy good servant but inconsistent player and crosser but definitely got me off my seat plenty of times Um, so really interesting there I think I'm really excited about Joe Ward not just because of that really good cross he put in against Matlock Um, hopefully there's more of that but I think he'll do a job for us on the right coach. Yeah, I, th- I think he will. I think as well that what Warren wants is he wants players to put the ball in a box, right? And if you're at League One, you're not going to be David Beckham crossing us. You're not going to be super consistent final ball because you wouldn't be in League One if, if you didn't have that. So, But the fact he basically, they were saying that he you know, gets 20 crosses in a game. For Paul Warren, that's absolutely perfect. As long as he can beat a man, get a cross in. The other comment about inconsistencies that I saw was I think, you know, as you say, Chris, there's a bit of sentiment of 
people think that he kind of had his eye on a move at least three or four months to go towards the end of the season was trying to avoid getting injured so I think maybe he kind of it didn't give the best impression the last few months of the season maybe people realised his head was turned and fans and it, have short memories don't they yeah absolutely and, and there was I because I accidentally looked up Joe Ward as well as you know and um and basically, it wasn't all negative, right? There was people saying, I think you've got short memories or, you know, some people are rewriting history here. Cause, but, you know, it, it, obviously, I imagine we will sometimes get frustrated by him, but we'll probably also be get off our seat a bit like Nathaniel Mendes-Lang, right? Mendes-Lang can frustrate us, but he also is also one of the most exciting players in the can team. Can be a game changer, yeah. Can be a game yeah. changer. So he scored some great goals, actually, Ward, as well. Some of his highlights reel in terms of some absolute long-range stonkers. Well, uh, his last goal for Peterborough was that was a screamer in the playoffs against Wednesday, wasn't it? Well, I think that took infection. But anyway, Tom, Callum Elder, what's the intel? Yeah, Callum Elder's an interesting one as well. He was uh, he's an Australian, but Leicester uh, sort of came through the ranks at Leicester and he signed for Hull uh, for 1.5 million and he's he's been described by some some Hull fans as legendary uh, especially uh, in their 2021 2020-2021 uh, uh, championship winning season when they got promoted from League One so he's got fantastic pedigree he chipped in with 10 assists that season um, and he clearly gets up and down the flanks and there was a lot of really really positive sentiment now there's no I didn't see anyone necessarily criticising him and I will come on to something about uh, Callum Elder and critical in a, in a, in a moment but the general feeling and the vibe from uh, from Hull fans was that great servant gets up and down can chip in for the odd goal he scored a, a good one against Northampton Town uh, in that season from from range um, and obviously can put a cross in and he assisted I would say 10 goals that season um, however the interesting one and Kutch you'll be particularly interested in this because during my research something came up about Brewdog and I was like Brewdog and Callum Elder I mean what's this about supposedly Callum Elder was in the whole Brewdog and again I'll say supposedly and was uh, spouting off to a fan about how Shota Avaladze was not particularly uh, a good manager and all the players were really frustrated and George Honeyman was going to go and sign for somebody else and it turns out that Honeyman actually ended up doing so and so he he, he burnt a few bridges I think and this was uh, this was this time last year so um, that it all really came out and uh, and I think uh, it's a potential there for a bit of unrest but I do see him very much as a, a warm player and there was a lot of positivity about about him even despite the uh, the Brewdog alleged Brewdog incident I never thought I'd hear Shota Avaladze and Brewdog whole in the same uh, <laughs> in, in the same sentence together and, at last and Avaladze was one of my favourite Road to World Cup and FIFA 98 players actually he's very cheap signing great pace great striker um but I think it's great to hear about Callum Elder because we know obviously he's our left, our main left wing back option. And if he's going to be putting crosses in 10, 10 assists, I think you said in, in that in their championship winning season, that sounds that sounds really good. So I think and we're going to come on to Wilson. But it feels like you know we've got good wing, real good wing back options. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll probably come on to it later. But I think the, one of the biggest beneficiaries of all of this is going to be James Collins because I mean he had let's let's be. Um, honest a fairly indifferent season last year but we know he can score goals from from crosses we've seen it in, in his time at, at Luton and other clubs as well and if he can kind of hit the ground running and get a couple of early goals in the season you can see him bagging quite a few if we can fire in plenty of crosses where all Collins has to do is just kick it in from two yards away yeah uh, then, I feel you know, like 20 he's, goals this season. I feel like he's definitely a confidence player though so yeah. I, th- I think no, if I he gets gets on a bit of a run um, like you don't go scoring goals throughout your career without being able to finish and without being able to put put your head on a cross and the other thing i'd say about that is i think collins will benefit probably if we are playing if we do play a 3-5-2 then collins will likely benefit from having a proper strike partner so it's not only collins who's in the box being marked for when crosses come in if there's two 
kind of target men, central strikers in the box, in the in the round six yard box, you're gonna get you're gonna get more chances yourself because you've. There's, there's more distractions for the defence what I'm also really excited about is uh, Kane Wilson I'll be honest knew very little about him but I've been excited by one video that I saw of his highlights from Forest Green two years ago <laughs> I think I've probably watched the same video yeah yeah <laughs> he, he looked brilliant and he scored a couple of absolute worldies in that season for Forest Green didn't he like he looks tricky he looks like he can beat a man he looks like he can get across he looks like he can overlap um but I don't really know the full picture in terms of where he's going to fit in alongside Ward. If he's like understudy to Ward, if they're going to play both of them. He can play both sides as well. Okay. So he's, I think what Ward said is that basically he wanted to have four wing backs, but he's going to have three because Wilson can play right and left. And, and to be honest, we need a bit of depth in those positions. Warren said himself they're probably the, the most important positions in his team and they re- require such an incredible work rate. You're not going to be able to play 46 games in either of those positions. So having a bit of, bit of a few, few options is no bad thing. I mean, what was the, what was the vibe on Kane Wilson? It was Bristol City he was at last season, wasn't it? Yeah, um, it, it was Bristol City. And as you were saying, Anton, like it's very hard to play wing-back. And Callum Elder's got a history of playing 45, 46 games. So he's clearly sort of fit and is able to do that and is consistent. Uh, it seems maybe a little bit more consistent than what we'd see from Joe Ward. And if Ward has one of those sort of bad patches, I certainly think Wilson could come in and, and do a job and then perhaps even keep his um, keep the position. When he was at Forest Green, he scored... Uh, sorry, played over over 100 games for them and it was playing 45 games a season last year unfortunately I spoke to one of my mates Sam who uh, it was nice to, that you gave me Kane Wilson because I haven't spoken to him for a while and he um, he's a big Bristol City fan and he said that he um, Kane Wilson picked up an injury in pre-season last year and never really got back to fitness uh, levels it was a big shame to see him go in the glimpses that I saw offered a lot going forward but probably too attacking and not strong enough to be defensively to be a right back in the back four in the championship which which suits Derby and it sounds exactly like the sort of player if we're going to play Five three two. He's going to play in that wing back position, and um, that seemed to be the sentiment that was agreed with for lots of Bristol City fans. Sad to see him go. He's only young. He's twenty three years old. Uh, former England youth international. He played up to under eighteens. Um, so clearly a lot of potential in there. Uh, and he was well liked, and there was a bit like I understand why he's been let go, but would have liked to have kept him. That generally seemed to be the sentiment from uh, from the Bristol City fans. So I think a good signing, and, and maybe to start as a backup. But I think we could see a potential of uh, an underrated player coming through and being a being a bit of a surprise package this year. There's quite a few players we've had, and that happens quite often, doesn't it? More than a lot of fans expect, where they are clearly good players with experience, and they can offer something to a team, but it, they sort of go backwards or stagnate at a certain club or they it doesn't work in a system or they don't really get on well with the manager and that doesn't make them bad players they just they're just not the fit for that team and maybe Kane Wilson could sort of find more of a home at Derby yeah I, I think the Kane Wilson signing for me is the most exciting signing mostly because of the age profile and and the promise he has shown at Forest Green Rovers in a, in a really good team that season that won that won League Two and I just think I, I think he'll end up being first choice right wing back when he's not covering left wing back say uh, I think he ultimately will get that and I think he'll get it quite early in the season the other thing about Elder is he I, I always think of the Book of Mormon yeah <laughs> Elder Price yeah. There's, a, there's a meme in there somewhere I think I'll work on it Hi, I'm Paolo Wanchop, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. Coach, finally, uh, well, you, you got the you got Josh Vickers in in net as well. Although I don't think he's probably going to feature that much ahead of Wildsmith. But probably the most contentious signing in terms of the one that split the fan base the most is Connor Washington, who um, I looked at his record. You can fill me in in more detail, but it's, I think it's fair to say his championship goal scoring record isn't great. But his League One goal scoring record, which is the one that matters to us right now, 
It's decent. Yeah, it is. And and to be fair, actually, when I went onto the Rotherham forums to take a look at what they were saying about Washington, I was expecting it to be pretty negative. But actually, it was it was pretty fair. Well, it, it was pretty mixed and quite. Some people were disappointed that he was leaving. They thought he was a good pro and a good option and perfectly up to the job in the championship. And some were saying, as you said, that he just wasn't quite good enough uh, for the championship. Got a few comments here. Um, Washington was nowhere near good enough for the championship. He ran and ran unintelligently everywhere scored one good goal which blinded many to his consistent ineffectiveness the first promising bit of business of the close season as in getting rid of him someone else said they agreed with that he was okay but Rotherham wants to kick on needs someone much much better and then someone else who was a bit more disappointed to see um, Washington leave said he obviously didn't fit the the new uh, management style at Rotherham and they didn't know anybody that disliked him he thought they were one of their better performances uh, performers last year so it was a bit more of a mixed bag on on Washington I think what surprised me when looking at his record and his stats is when I've heard about him in the past and then when I saw the interview with him I mean, he's got he's a he's actually a big lad he's not very tall he's, he's only 5'11 but he's got big big arms he's like a strong boy and I thought of him always more of a target man but actually he's a much more running behind stretch of the fence which again something we haven't had so you don't I, think him and Collins are too similar then you no. think you think you think there is a chance they can complement each other absolutely yeah because Collins isn't Collins works hard but he's not got the pace to really threaten him behind but if you've got Collins and Washington I think they could dovetail quite nicely obviously we're looking for at least one more striker I think but for me, I think that sound looks like quite a promising, quite a promising partnership. And, and I think Warren said all along that he wants different types of forwards. He doesn't want lots of the same. He wants four forwards that all offer something different. And Washington and Collins definitely is a start on that. Connor Washington had played for Charlton, and I've got a mate who's a Charlton fan, and he he said, yeah, his goal goal to game record may not have been amazing but at the same time you knew that he worked his socks off and you knew that he was causing problems for defenders he'd be bullying those defenders and causing causing issues all the time and that that really reminds me of Chris Martin you remember when he body checked that Sheffield Wednesday uh, defender in one of those games like, I just love that kind of attitude from a forward where it's like this isn't your game this is mine and and Connor Washington really stuck it to the defenders I think of him and Collins up front too similar but then there is differences yeah it would be it'd be a really aggressive uh, forward line I like that and I'm fine with that because, like, how many times have this Derby team just got bullied over the past few years and not been physical enough and not had it in them to go the full 90 minutes in games and see these stupid late goals? So I think with that in mind, Anton, it's like, I'm going to take it as positive signing. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for the fact that Warren managed him at Rotherham as well. So he knows his game really well and he's clearly made a decision that he fits into this team and he will add something that we don't have into this team. He said that he's one of the best players he's worked with at stretching the game and running in behind, which I think is going to be massively important with the loss of Jason Knight, which I'm, I'm sure we'll come on to in a, in a little bit. But Jason Knight was, was the player who did that for us. He, he just had energy for days, like ran around. And that's a really underrated quality to, to create space for others around the pitch. So without Jason Knight in that, in that role we need other players to do it and if Connor Washington's the the man to do that with a couple of others around him then that's going to be really important I I think uh, the other thing about people being quite snobby about his goal record there's been some you know quite critical things about his goal record posted by by Derby fans on Twitter and forums is that despite him having let's say a not great goal scoring record in the football league he kept getting moved to bigger and bigger clubs higher up the chain so there's obviously a lot more to his game than goals right his game obviously isn't completely based on goals otherwise he wouldn't get keep keep getting those moves went for two and a half millions qpr once upon a time didn't he yeah exactly and that move didn't particularly work out but 
the fact that they went for that, they obviously saw something in that player to be like, okay, well, his goal-scoring record might not translate in the championship, but he's going to offer us all these other attributes which make it better for other people to score. Maybe he's the player that gets the best out of James Collins. Maybe he's the player running in behind that gives Max Bird, Connor Harahan more space in the midfield to play. So, you know, it's a system, right? And it might be that our two strikers neither of them hit more than 15 goals but if it means that the team as a whole is scoring more goals and is keeping clean sheets it doesn't matter I'm not saying it's going to be definitely a successful signing but I think it's just people need to look a little bit more at the, the broader picture than just oh his goal scoring record hasn't been great the last couple of years so very quickly before we uh, move on Tom which of those signings is most exciting for you uh, I agree with what Anton said at the top of that I think Sonny Bradley I think is a crucial signing bringing experience and leadership into the back um, the back five uh, I, I am excited about Kane Wilson's potential uh, and it'll be really interesting to see whether my my prediction of him coming uh, as a surprise package later on in the season I think I agree with Kutch where he says that I think I think Ward will start the season at right wing back but I can really see Wilson finishing strongly uh, there and I hope that comes I hope that move comes good Yes Sonny Bradley for me just his mentality really like he's come here to go up and he's made no bones about that whatsoever. He's literally said, I'm not here to mess about, <laughs> which I enjoyed. Mike, hopefully it doesn't go back to haunt us and make us look stupid. But yeah, six foot five, hundreds of appearances, just got promotion, knows what he wants from this his spell at Derby. So uh, yeah, I would say Sonny Bradley as well. Anton, I'm assuming you, you've got the same answer. Yeah, yeah, Sonny Bradley. But I am delighted that we're going to have some round pegs in round holes at wing back. I think that's absolutely crucial. So I'm, I'm really buzzing about those signings too. Wilson, Wilson is my favourite sign, as I said before. What I will just quickly say about Vickers, we haven't touched on him. I think that's a real battle for number one. From reading what how Vickers is, how well thought of Vickers was at Rotherham. Um, I'll just read a few little things here. It says, uh, this is from Rotherham fans. Don't blame him at all for leaving. He deserves to have regular game time. Just hope he gets it gets it, and is not a bench warmer. Uh, this is a tweet from a, a Rotherham fan during the 2022 season uh, about Josh Vickers. How good is Josh Vickers? Each game he plays, he is quickly rising up the rankings as the best goalkeeper to play in a Rotherham United shirt. All the Rotherham fans uh, forums I saw talking about Vickers was... It's basically that they had another keeper, Johansson, I think, was the or Jakobsen, Johansson was the Rotherham keeper, and he was keeping Vickers out the team, and Vickers has left to go and play first team football. And Warren and his staff obviously have managed him before, so I think, look, I imagine Joe Wildsmith will and should start as number one this season, but I think there's a real competition there. It'd be interesting to see how Wildsmith reacts to it because last season he didn't have the competition and played very, very well. Yeah, so, and goalkeepers can and should improve when they're pushed by someone else, and yeah. I'm sure Scott Loach is a nice enough guy and a decent goalkeeper, but like, yeah, you're completely right. It's good to have someone really threatening his place in the team. I mean, the reason Tom got such became such a good goalkeeper is he knew that like I was around. Yeah, I was, I was goalkeeping as well. It's very true. Yeah, <laughs> breathing I need, I need down to his push, neck. I need to push myself massively there, Kutch. Yeah. Before we move on to part two, uh, as ever, we are back. It's another season on the horizon, and the Steve Bloomers washing Patreon is returning for another year where you can of course get an extra podcast each month and loads of other great exclusive benefits for the price of a coffee per month and we've made a few tweaks over the summer we've got an extra tier now so those who are generous enough to pledge seven pounds a month get the same benefits as the three and five pound tiers but you get your own actual podcast that you get to star and host in with uh with us you give us the questions Tell us your Derby County story. You set the agenda on whatever subject you like. Plus, you'll get your usual welcome pack, including uh, one of our fantastic 3D drinks coasters with your actual name on it. How cool is that? Is so it 4D? Great... Is it a 4D coaster? 
what's the extra D? <laughs> it's like the fourth. fourth it like smells nice. It's like real. It's real. It's like Derby tunes as you're drinking. Yeah, it's actually a dupe as well. Um, so you get one of those. Plus, uh, here's one for you boys. Our Patreon FPL League is back this season. Uh, last year, Nick Bellamy, one of our patrons, scooped the uh, goodie bag with beers, club merchandise, and Derby County artwork after winning the mini league. So well done to Nick. Could be you this year if you join the fun. But boys, I know the hardest part in FPL is choosing a team name, obviously. So uh, I wanted to rank some of these team names out of 10 in the SBW Fantasy Football League. Got a, got a few good ones. Alex Harker to Harland back. What are you having on that, Kutch? Uh, six. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Anton? Yeah, I wouldn't go higher than six. Okay, Tom? Yeah, I quite liked it, but yeah, I'm going to go seven, I think. Seven, we'll okay. Um, what else have we got? Andrew Northedge, Rage Against Mike Dean. <laughs> That's yeah, good. I like That's that. Good. I like that. Got a lot of time for that. I'm going to give that an eight. Uh, no, I'm going to go nine with that one. Nine, wow. Yeah, yeah I agree with nine. I was going to say eight yeah. and a half. Eight. eight. Okay, so that's the yeah. best one so eight far. What else we got here? Um, uh, Dave Enzer, Clowes but no cigar. Ooh. Yeah, Derby themed. Yeah. yeah, I think you've got to get bonus points for Derby. Derby themes in amongst it so a couple of pity points there for Dave I'd say 8 but Andy's the winner and uh, just finally a new entry this year's uh, Patreon Peter Fathers whose team name is simply Smells Like Poom (laughs) (laughs) that that takes a biscuit yeah that's very good straight in there with a toilet humour Tom absolutely guffawing at that one I know your level mate (laughs) yeah it's it's slow mate it's slow (laughs) Uh, so there you go join in the fun over on the SBW Patreon and you can join in our Fantasy Football League (laughs) and uh, be part of our little membership club. More in a second. Inside right position, 10 yards from the box. Larson and Asanovic over it. Larson takes it right foot. He bears it! It's in! What a shot! 27 yards and Peter Schmeichel never so melted! Top right-hand corner. Jakob Larson bursts the net. What a shot! Schmeichel, the best goalkeeper in the world, waved it goodbye. He's straight in the back of the net, and Proud United are a goal down with 24 and a half minutes gone. The scorer, Jakob Lawson. Hi, I'm Nathaniel Mendes Lang, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washington. So then, League One in 2023-24. Uh, I mean, the point I was going to make here is that basically... I don't want to say it's derbies for the taking because that's obviously massively a bit arrogant and presumptuous. But look, the three teams, the three best teams in the league by a mile went up last season. Ipswich, 101 points. Plymouth, 98 points. Sheffield Wednesday, 96 points. You know, they were miles better than everyone else and they deservedly went up. So that's three massive teams out of the way. The teams that have come down, Wigan, starting on minus eight. Reading are in a right old mess from what I can understand. And then you look at the teams who finished above Derby in the playoff spots. Barnsley have lost their manager. Um, Michael Duff, who was obviously a huge part of their success and replaced him with Neil Collins, who uh, I understand it's his first managerial job in English football after he had some success in the States. Uh, and then Bolton are clearly going to be in the mix as well. I mean, look, Anton, it's... There's no simple way of saying this, but it's a massive, massive chance for Derby this season, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, bookies' favourites. I, I don't know when the last time we were bookies' favourites for a title. Were we after the 2014-13-14 campaign? I'd, probably not, given the Premier League sides coming down. I, I don't remember us being bookies' favourites 
ever to be honest um so it's it'll be interesting to see how we cope with the pressure but i mean everything you you just said there chris um is is completely true you look around the other clubs i think at the end of last season barnsley probably would have been the team that i was most concerned about because second half of last year they they looked really good but that was that was in large parts to the manager um so it's going to be a, a tough recovery with with a completely new regime in there. I think the two the the two clubs that I look at are probably Bolton. Um, Bolton are probably the, the team that I'm most worried about. I think Ian Everett did a really good job there last year. Um, they're it's kind of big club as well with a, a great following. So I, I, I would imagine they'll be up there. Um, and potentially Portsmouth as well. I know they've been languishing a little bit in League One for the last few seasons, but they they kind of went under the radar a little bit towards the end of last season um, with Mousinho in charge and kind of built a solid platform for, for this year. Again, have a, a really good following, which will, will help them. So it might be a little bit too early for them to mount a, an automatic promotion charge, but with the other teams being so weak around them, um, I think those are the two teams that are going to be up there with us. So I'll, I'll drop some odds on you, Tom, before you um, you weigh in on this one. I mean, this is, yeah, to be fair, these are odds are plucked from a random site and obviously they, they vary from site to site, but most bookies have Derby as favourites to win League One this season at 5-1, to one, followed by Barnsley at 6-1, to one, Bolton at 6 Peterborough at eight to one, then you're down to Reading at ten to one, fifth favourites, Portsmouth ten to one, Charlton sixteens, Wigan at twenty to one, despite starting a minus eight, which show tells you everything you need to know about these bookies odds. And then Blackpool at twenty, Oxford at twenty-five, and then Wickham eleventh on twenty-five also, and then there is a bit of a drop, and I think you're into the thirties and you are away from the serious promotion contenders, but like how do you how do you see it shaking out this season? Yeah, I mean, last year we talked about this, and I thought Derby a top half and maybe just outside the playoffs that would be acceptable, and it's it's where it ended up, and we almost got into the playoffs. Um, this year, I think we have to be challenging top two and definitely getting into the playoffs without doubt. And I think the Derby have got a fantastic chance to get promoted automatically for the first time since the ninety five ninety six season. So um, yeah, for me, even though Derby haven't completed the recruitment, I still think we're weak up up top at the moment as we record but um, I do think that this is a fantastic opportunity given the the relative strength and you're talking there about sides like Reading who are as you say in financial trouble uh, Wigan who are already on minus eight there'll be someone who comes comes from nowhere um, there always is like a surprise package but if that surprise package is going to be someone like Portsmouth they're to me they're not really a surprise package it's kind of an obvious surprise package so I don't see a lot of strength in that division um, which should worry Derby and people coming to Pride Park it's going to be their cup final we need to make sure that we're, we are on it every single home game and pick up those points and then go and beat teams away from home Just as a side on the sort of size of Derby compared to the teams in the league this season uh, Derby have obviously shifted more than 20,000 season tickets which is more than the highest average gate of every other team in League One this season I mean Kutch is it fair enough to say that there really are no excuses this season? Would you go that far? I think I wouldn't say no excuses. I mean, you don't want to make excuses for anything any time. But uh, look, it still only warns first full summer. There's still you know significant squad rebuild to do. There's probably three or four players that still need to come in. You've, we've just sold Jason Knight, so no, I, I, I don't think there's I don't think there's any excuses. But I don't think it's it shouldn't be seen as a complete. Well, you know what? It probably is seen as a fair if we don't get promoted. Yeah, I think I think we're all sitting around this table thinking we're going to expecting we're going to get promoted. If if I'm honest, but 
it doesn't mean it's going to happen, right? Things don't, football isn't that simple. There's all kind of variables that come in. We're going to have an absolute horrendous injury crisis. Who knows? I, I think, let's be honest, though, we, we were all rightly very pragmatic about last season. We'd been through hell on earth off the field and and it was very much a transition season especially with Paul Warren coming through coming coming through the door halfway through the season but the fact that he's had several months now he's had a full pre-season to to really get the players in shape to 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 play the style he wants to play you look around the the quality of the rest of the division you've got to take your chance this year I, I think the the excuses have to stop now in terms of uh, everything that has gone on at Derby over the last few years and the fact that we've got this pre-season um, I think we, we have to take our chance. Yeah you can respect year. our recent past but also acknowledge that like there's a time where we can't you can't we dwell have to on stop it forever anymore yeah exactly. I think as well that um, you know in terms of getting promoted it being obviously being the ultimate target and the ambition and rightly so it starts with the with the recruitment and all I can say is so far the recruitment's been very good I think like recruitment has been has been solid some exciting signings there's some experienced players in there the age, age profile's better all the excuses we were making last season have largely been rectified already with the with the transfer business so you've kind of already removed a lot of the excuses because the squad is just looking in a much better better position I know there's been some I thought saw some people quite critical of the, of the pre-season performances so far these pre-season games are com- these pre-season games are completely irrelevant apart from fitness and Warren's even said that hasn't he like yeah. he was asked oh, what do you plan to take from the Matlock game and he's like oh, nothing really <laughs> it's just a game um, but on the flip side too the recruitment is of course keeping your best players and ones who go and there have been two notable departures from Derby this season uh, the first being Jason Knights we'll come on to the other one in a few minutes but like it is a fee of two million um that's my understanding I, I have it on relatively good authority that the overall package for jason knight is somewhere around two million mark um yeah so much of what we can do depends on money coming in and we're clearly like you know keeping our head above water money wise and we're not going to throw money at any players in the market these days but kutch is two million for jason knight good business in your book with one year left in his contract uh, yeah, I think it is. And I think a lot of championship clubs aren't spending much money at the moment. Um, so, yeah, if he had two years on his contract, I think I'd be expecting more like three, four million pounds for him. But look, he's elite. We're in League One. He didn't set League One on, on fire last season. I would say often down to the fact he wasn't played in his best positions for much of the season. Well, his best season was actually his first season for Derby, wasn't it? Like in terms of numbers, mm. when he broke into the team under Koku. And he hasn't actually been able to replicate that ever since. No, and obviously he's, you know, any young player in Derby, they have they have got excuses in the sense that they've been playing the very tumultuous, volatile place for the last two, three years. But I, I think he's a brilliant player. My feelings on Jason Knight are well known on this podcast. I think he's probably the, was should have been the best player in the team last season if he was played consistently in, in kind of a midfield three. Our best run of last season was with Knight as like a number 10 behind uh, McGoldrick and really pressing high up the pitch. So, you know, if if, uh, if Bristol City can play him in that kind of role and play him consistently in midfield, I think he'll be a very good championship player. I don't think he's, I don't think he's much better than a, ch- uh, a good championship player, though. Yeah, I think, um, I think it's time for him to move on. And I think he's had been a great servant for the club coming through the uh, academy, broke through very young. Uh, he's done 
done some really great things and then he's just been one of those that quietly gets on with his business over the last few years uh, and I think now is the time if he's ever going to kick on and really be a star for Ireland and really be a, a high quality sort of maybe Premier League or certainly top championship player uh, he's got to got to start doing that over the next few years and unfortunately with Derby not getting promoted this year um, he wasn't going to do it with Derby and another year is another year into his career and I think this is a good opportunity for him I think it's good money for Derby and I, I hope, wish him all the best and I hope that he gets the uh, I hope he gets the opportunities under Pearson at, at Bristol City He's definitely going to be one of those players in a similar vein to Will Hughes that I track throughout his career and hope he does Keep really well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he's left on on really good terms. Everyone at, at Derby loved him, and I'm sure everyone will do the same. I mean, the, going back to the the two million fee, I think like selling your your better players is sometimes what you have to do when you're when you're in League One or in, in the Championship in order to rise through the leagues in a sustainable way and in a sensible way you have to be able to know when to sell and I'm not saying it was the perfect time to sell Jason Knight potentially wasn't but we've got some money for him we've been able to reinvest that into several players throughout the rest of the squad and you, you'd probably say the squad's looking in better shape this year despite losing two of our best players from last season but imagine there's got to be a sell-on clause of night as well like 22 if he really does kick on as a lot of us think we can he, he can do then maybe i don't know maybe he goes for five six seven mil to someone else in a couple of years and we get a cheeky like half a mil or something so like anton's completely right part of the model of a league one decent club is is getting doing good business for players who have to leave because of the, league, the division you're in. I also think it's interesting as well and gives opportunity to some of the other players in the squad like Corey Smith to actually cement their position in that centre midfield and maybe even bring in someone different. Um, if we're thinking that maybe Smith, Howahan and Bird are going to be your strongest three in that middle and feel free to take, take a umbrage at that one. I think those three would start it but I can see, see an opportunity for us to invest in somebody who might be a bit more dynamic and a bit more sort of creative because whilst Howerhan can be quite creative, he is also quite up and sort of down and can be quite sort of, he's got a good ball in if that makes sense, but he's not necessarily like a tricky, skillful uh, midfielder in the this, in this sort of King Clancy vein. Yeah, I, I do take your point, Tom, on the the fact that we've, we can give some other midfielders some opportunities, but it, it does leave us a little bit short, I think, in that... In that kind of playmaker creativity role, losing both Didzy and Jason Knight, which were the two that played in that number 10 role last year, we do lack a little bit of creativity. Um, a lot of it will come from out wide, you'd, you'd have to say. Now, I wonder, formation-wise, what, what we'll go with unless we bring an attacking midfielder into, into the picture, because... We, we may look to, I mean, everything points towards the 3-5-2 that Warren kind of really seems to favour throughout his career. But I wonder if actually a 3-4-3 might suit the current crop a little bit better, especially with, when you've got the likes of Mendes, Lang and Barkhausen, who kind of don't necessarily fit that nicely into a 3-5-2, but would slot well into the, the, the wide roles up front. Washington can play out wide as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see formation-wise what we go with, but I'd really like us to see that creative playmaker-type player come through the door, which is hard to find in League One, let's be honest, especially when you're on a, a tight budget. But um, that's what my target would be next up. Just quickly first on Barkhouse, and I actually think he could be an option as, in the front two as well, because he has played as a striker earlier on in his career. I think he actually prefers playing more down the middle, so... It wouldn't surprise me if he actually is an option in the front too. On the midfield, I have a completely different take, which is what I think we're missing. We're missing a bastard. 
we haven't got a League One, you know, driving midfielder who's going to. We've got Sonny Bradley at the back. We've got Washington and Collins up front, who are kind of mean, nasty. You know, they're going to be tough guys. We haven't got that presence in in central midfield. Jason Knight was the closest thing to it. He wasn't exactly someone that. like Bielik, but someone who's prepared to play in League One. Yeah, and like I was thinking League Catamol. Yeah, like a League, <laughs> like a League, a League One League Catamol. Really, is what we're looking for. And I just think. Bird and Harahan are tidy and neat enough that they can be creative with the ball. I take what you're both saying about we haven't got a player to beat a, ma- a player to beat a man, open up a defence that way. But I do think what we're missing is a real nasty presence who's going to break up the play. Corey Smith might do that a bit, and I think he can be good doing that role. But that that's for me a bigger priority over a kind of a, a more creative attacker. We have got Louis Sibley in the team. Louis Sibley can do that if he plays. In the middle, can beat a man, open up. I know he's frustrating, but Once this has got to be the games. <laughs> yeah. But this has got to be the season he steps up, isn't it? This is his, for me. This is his last chance to really make it in a derby shirt. So, I would see that. I mean, the big question is where the hell is the final Mendes Lang going to play? A bit like Barkhausen is his only option playing in the, in the, in the front two. Yeah, well, Paul Warren's comments were quite interesting in the last couple of weeks actually, because he said he wants at least three strikers in the squad, ideally four if he can get. Um, them but he said that means I need to bring in at least two which implied that the only striker that he saw in the squad was James Collins not Mendes Lang not Barkhausen which which makes you wonder where where they are going to slot in as you say I mean hopefully given the fact that we've got two right wing backs now that's the end of the the Mendes Lang at right wing back days but it'll be interesting to see where he slots in yeah I mean the uh Elephant in the room, of course, is the loss of David McGoldrick. Um, it's all very well with the bookies having Derby down as favourites to win League One, but that's despite having lost a player who scored a third of our goals last season. Um, Tom, I mean, in hindsight now, as soon as the Notts County rumours started, that one was only really going to go one way, really, wasn't it? And it's so disappointing to lose him. But I, I have got faith that we can not replace him as a person but replace his goals throughout the team somehow yeah I definitely do and I think he had a phenomenal season last last year and he really stepped up and was an example and a leader for uh, a lot of the younger players that were there and he when when people were struggling like Collins around him um, he was the one that chipped in crucially and let's not forget here that McGoldrick didn't play for quite a lot of the beginning of the season. He only really came really good in the um, in the back end of the season. And uh, Chris, I'm correct me if I'm wrong. He scored two hat tricks, or was it three hat tricks in in all? So I mean, it's three in total, I think. So you scored nine goals of his 22, 23 goals scored in three games. Which obviously you want to you want to obviously want to score as many goals as you possibly can. But obviously that's there for it's not in every game that he's scoring chipping in with goals like here and there and actually I think I'd rather have a 20 goal striker who scores in 17 games than a 25 goal striker who scores in 10 games because the influence of those goals and I'm, I'm absolutely not discrediting McGoldrick and his influence last year I thought he was excellent but I don't think it's going to be as big a loss as what maybe some people are thinking and, and to build on that point around scoring in 17 games I'd rather have five players who score 10 goals each rather than one player who's who's banging in 25 30 goals and nothing around him because it's not sustainable to rely on one player throughout a season however good he is even if he's a, a David McGoldrick they're going to have off days and they're going to be marked out the game by by better opposition so if we can start sharing the goals around the team a little bit better that's a much better approach for me yeah i think we can all agree that yeah we're pleased that we've gone some way to replacing goldrick's goals but it's probably not enough at the moment and as Anton said, a lot of that comes down to getting more goals out of the wide players, out of Harrahan and Barkhausen and Mendes Lang. 
and Max Bird even going back further back in the team. So we'll see what um, what Derby and Paul Warren have up their sleeves for the rest of the transfer window. But the most important question of the podcast coming up. Um, I think we all caught glimpses of David Clough's interview with Ed Dawes. Great, uh, great scoop there on the uh, one-year anniversary of him saving Derby County. Uh, talked about a whole host of subjects, but one that I picked up on, which no one else seemed to notice, was that David Klaus quietly said he plans to open a Derby County museum in the years to come, which got me thinking, obviously, how can I harness that quote for social media and <laughs> engagement for the podcast? But it's, it's just a bizarre one. Like He wants to open a Derby County museum, so we put this out for your shout. Here comes a jingle. Your, your shout. shout. Ah. <laughs> uh, what items would you put in a Derby County Museum? Brackets. Wrong answers only. We don't want sensible answers here. What would you put in a Derby County Museum? Loads and loads and loads of answers all of which were incredible the fan base really came together on this one Nikki B Bob Malcolm sleeping pills <laughs> what else do we have the Kenko coffee cup of course that's already that's already in the trophy cabinet at Pride Park the Kenko coffee that cup that is genuinely in the Derby County Museum already isn't it yeah, yeah in, so, in, the, in, the, in the reception yeah. yeah that's been immortalized next to the league one next to the division one trophy <laughs> uh, Paul said uh, Mikhail Kifton Bell's wrong transfer documentation paperwork brackets framed um jack baton is one of many people who suggested raul albentosa's yeah. missing insoles <laughs> uh joe moore said he would put in an fa ambrose match worn shirt yeah. uh, ben said jake buxton's carrier bag uh ian jenninson said an inflatable penis with steve gibson's face on it <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> Ben Taylor said Stephen Bywater's erotic garden artwork. Yeah, no. So much to go at. Uh, Anton, if you were to chuck something in, what would you stick in the Rams vault? Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the, the good ones have been covered there. The, the Kenko Cup was the obvious one that sprung to mind for me. I think we would want to com- commemorate some of the best goals of all time that Derby have scored in some way. So I, I would take us back to to a screen grab probably of a ball 30 yards up in the air (laughs) against a team down the road from the East Midlands back in 1999. Players crowd in the box, the keeper all over the place and the ball high up in the air, which you'd never expect the the ball to go in from that position. Daryl Powell. um, There's a reason why he's a football genius, isn't there? And it's for that goal, basically. Coach, what about you? I've got two. One I can't believe hasn't been said already. The first one... Uh, I don't know how big this museum's going to be, but maybe Andre Wisdoms, was it his Land Rover or is his Range Rover that he got stuck in the... Uh, Some people saying a Porsche. Po- oh, a Porsche. Yeah, know, it wasn't sorry. a Land Rover. Yeah, that, 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 it would have got stuck. stuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Andre Wisdoms' Porsche. The other one, very obvious, and would be my favourite item in the whole museum, is Esteban Puertas' passport. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> and that was suggested by a few people. Oh. So, um, But yeah, that had to go in there. Tom, Paul Jewell sex tape. Oh yeah, it's, de- it's definitely got to be in there on on loop. I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> private screening guys. Yeah. That's the welcome video. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, 
these are these are all fantastic shouts well done to everybody and i think that museums are all about like unpicking the myth and the legends of the past and i think um i'd like to have a life-size model of a Anu in there to unpick the myth that is a Anu's derby county career <laughs> just to make sure that he still <laughs> exists as a person uh would actually turn more... up though <laughs> <laughs> fall over in the wind <laughs> yeah and that statue would cost uh, 40 grand a week <laughs> there are there are also some pictures out there which I don't know where they are today, and I hope they probably don't see the light of day. But when I was Rami the Ram, I did want to do a New Year's Eve party, and they and someone got uh, me to pose as Rami with their wife in some interesting positions, and there were some <laughs> pictures taken, and they've never seen the light of day. But maybe they should turn up in the uh, in the museum one day. Maybe maybe that's just one for the Kutcher personal collection. <laughs> I think that that's the seven pound patron um... <laughs> next to the Paul George sex tape. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that we could also have on loop is uh, Robbie Savage's karaoke on the way. Going mm. to Pride Park or going to New York? Or yeah, his Alicia that, Keys. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll have to dig out era. that on YouTube and mm. stick it in as a an ad break at some point. Uh, and a couple more. The window frame that Tyrone Mears climbed out of. Oh, yeah. yeah, good. I think it has to go in there. Maybe a bored out foam finger from 2005. That's a bit of a niche shout. I've still got one of those somewhere in the in the loft. And uh, yeah, as we said, Paul George camcorder. We're gonna leave it there for that episode. What an <laughs> image to finish. <laughs> our debut podcast of 23-24 with but uh, yeah we'll be back I think we're going to try and do one more before the season actually starts uh, Blake will be back in the mix as well he's uh, on his jollies I imagine so uh, Tom good to be back in the in the rhythm yeah absolutely delightful thanks very much Kutch pleasure as always let's get stuck into the barbecue let's do it and uh, Anton thank you very much for your time cheers an exciting season ahead on we go